That's the message. That's the gospel. Be in Jesus in every chance that we have. You know, I could think there's like 60, 70 people that showed up that day to help. And uh, I've kept in close contact with that family. We're actually going to take the kids fishing in the next week or two after camp is over. And so we're excited about that. But I I just want to say thank you all. So many of you had such a part in doing that. Um, Some of you bought donuts, and that's what that money went towards, all that money. And so that's what we want to do. We want to continue to do. That's what God's called this church to be. And and thank you for for the guys. Mitch put together that video, and Dustin did the other one. Steve filmed it. I mean, there's so many. I could thank all day long, but I just want to say from the bottom of my heart how much I appreciate. And uh, I know you don't need that because if you're anything like me, you got blessed just being there with that family. And seeing them, and um, you know, they love God so much, and uh, and He has told me, he actually told me he was going to come and visit. So I'm hoping that'll be soon. He wants to to make a step in, and we've got we've got another video we're going to show you in uh, on on a mission Sunday coming up on the other part and what that money went to. So just again, thank you guys for what you did and supporting the youth. Well, it's it's Father's Day and it's Youth Sunday, and. Uh, so I was thinking about, you know, my dad and some of the things. He's, he's really sucking up on vacation today um, at the beach, probably sitting in the sun or going surfing or something. But uh, he said he was going to try to catch it online. But I want to tell him Happy Father's Day if he is. And uh, also, just thinking about some of the things that we did growing up. And my dad was a, a real vital part in me playing sports, as like many of you and your children are. I wasn't, wasn't the greatest. I was pretty decent at golf as it came to soccer and basketball. I was just kind of average. And, uh, you know, never stand out. They're not going to retire my jersey. You know, you're not going to go to Rosewood and, and see my number 13 hanging up on the rafters or anything. Uh, maybe because I was 13, it was unlucky. I don't know if you're superstitious. But, um, you know, just the average kind of ordinary guy. And I think for a lot of us, you know, we kind of fit in that boat. You know, we're, we're pretty good at some stuff. But overall, you know, making it to the Hall of Fame, no, nah, probably not. And I was thinking about the Hall of Fame and, and kind of what that means in the Hall of Fame, the people that, that make it into it. And I was just thinking about, you know, it's an it's a achievement, lifelong achievement, some of the things that they've done or, or accomplished that people recognize for. And, and two names that I, I went online and just kind of looked up and wanted to get a little bit of research on. One was O.J. Simpson and then the other one was Mark McGuire. And, and some of you know uh, them and kind of what they did. But uh, O.J. Simpson made it into the Hall of Fame in 1985. And I thought Mark McGuire made it, but uh, in doing some research, it said he was like 300 votes or so short of making it into it. And, and I begin to think about, you know, what are these guys known for? What, what did these guys leave behind as far as, you know, the things that they did? And uh, I mean, I know they're not dead, but when you think about these two guys, what comes to mind? And, and so I did a, a Google search uh, of news on Mark McGuire and O.J. Simpson and the top 10 things, it didn't say anything about his rushing yards in football. It didn't say anything about all of his achievements. All you pretty much saw was the accusations of him um, killing his wife and, and the other guy. And, uh, and so there's these listings. It's, there's nothing listed about in the Google search on the first page about his accomplishments and, and how he made it into the Hall of Fame. And then, and then I looked for Mark McGuire and thought I would see all the statistics and all the home runs that he hit and how he was just extraordinary in that. But all you saw was about him admitting to performance enhancement drugs and taking steroids. And so I want to ask ourselves this question this morning as we think about what are we going to be remembered for ultimately on this earth? When people say my name, what comes to mind? And when they say your name, what comes to mind? And then when we're gone, what are we going to be remembered for? 
I saw this bumper sticker the other day. It says, live your life so that the pastor doesn't have to lie at your funeral. <laughs> and it was on Pastor Farrell's car. Um, <laughs> but today I want to say, we're going to ask ourselves these two questions. First is this, what am I doing that with, or what am I doing with what God has given me? And how will I be remembered? And so the story we're going to be looking at today comes from 1 Samuel's, if you have your Bibles, chapter 17. And it's a story that we've all heard. You could probably tell me how the story goes. But I think it has some things in here this morning that's just going to really speak to us and really spoke to me. And being Youth Sunday and all, it's just kind of encouragement for us. But I remember the story of the kid of David and Goliath. And kind of the whole thing transpired. And growing up in Sunday school, all the young kids aren't going to remember this, but some of you adults are going to know what they are. You remember felt boards? You remember you had a big piece of felt, you put it on the wall, and you had these like cardboard cutout looking felt guys, and you stuck them on there, and that was high tech right there, buddy. We got a felt board. No way, you know? And so you had the little picture of David, and then you got Goliath, who's a little bit bigger guy, and you stick him on there, and you tell the story, you know, and kids, man, you show that to them today, they're like, man, this is whack, man, I, this, is, this is not cool, where's some, give me an Xbox or something, you know, but then we'd see these illustrated Bibles, and you could get these Bibles that had pictures actually drawn in there, and so you'd see David, and he's standing there, and he's got like a little skirt on with sandals, and he's slinging the rock, and then you got, De- you got Goliath on the other side, this big old guy looking at him with his evil face, you know, and so the illustrated Bibles were pretty cool, but, but I remember coloring as a kid in, in Sunday school class, and we'd hear the, the story, and I didn't go to Sunday school here as a, as a kid, I actually came in sixth grade, but, but I remember I always got the bad crayons. Do y'all know what I'm talking about? The ones that always break, and you, they're only this long. Like you couldn't afford the good ones. You only get ones at this end and you have to unwrap the little paper on there. And so we only got one color. And so my Goliath looked like a Smurf because all he was just blue, you know. And the other kids over there, he's like SpongeBob. He's like, here's your crayon. You guys have fun. But, but this story that we're going to see this morning about David and Goliath, I believe just speaks to, to youth and adults. And so if you have your Bibles, I'm just going to kind of paraphrase up until we get to about um, verse 33. And kind of here's what happens. You've got, you got Saul and his army, the Israelites on one hill, and then you've got the Philistines and, and Goliath on the other. And there's this line that's kind of drawn down the middle. This is the battleground. This is the marking ground. This is where it goes down. And you've got Goliath, this nine-foot guy. And I don't know the biggest guy you've ever seen, but I've never seen anybody nine foot tall. So the biggest guy you've ever seen, this guy is bigger than him. And he's got a bronze helmet, and he's got armor on, and he's got javelin, and he's got a shield bearer. I mean, this guy is a beast. And he's coming out and he's challenging any person that can defeat him. He says, you know what? If anyone of you can defeat me, we'll become your slaves. But if we win, then you must become our slaves. And so Saul, he's, he's terrified. You know, what are we going to do? You know, I don't, we don't, God's people, we can't, become, you know, be the slaves. And, and so he's just all upset and frightened. And then this little young boy comes along, David, who's the youngest son of Jesse. And he comes along and, most people, when I was reading, said they believe he was about 17 years old when this took place. And he comes on the scene, and for 40 days this goes on. He'd come and challenge in the morning, and then he'd come back at night, and he'd challenge him in the evening. And the king was worried, and he says, all right, I got I to gotta come up with something. So, all right, here's what I'm going to do. Whoever can defeat this giant, I'm going I'm to exempt him from taxes, and I'm going to give him my daughter in marriage. If, if there's anyone that can do it. So David's supposed to be going back and forth, checking on his brothers and, and tending the sheep. And, 
This day he happens to come, they're lined up and they're standing there and Goliath steps out. The big guy steps out. And he hears Goliath step out and shout to the Israelites and I'm just gonna say, maybe it went something like this. All right, you Israelites, who thinks that you're big enough and bad enough to step out and defeat me? I'm the king, I'm the champion, come on, bring it on. You know, maybe he had this big, scary, deep voice or, or maybe not, because I've seen some big guys that like you bump into them and you're like, I'm sorry. He's like, it's okay, don't worry about it. You know what I mean? <laughs> but he steps out and then he begins, he twists it around and he starts defying God's army. And David gets angry. He gets angry and he says, who is this man that defies the army of the living God? And David's brothers get mad. They're like, why don't you just go back to what you're doing? You need to get out of here, man. You're too young. You, you're not big enough. You're, you're just a shrimp. Get out of here, man. Leave us alone. And he's like, I'm just, I'm just asking questions. And Saul hears about it. And Saul sends for him. He says, all right, David, come here, man. I need to talk to you. And, and so they sit down and and David looks at Saul. Imagine this, a 17-year-old boy, he looks at him, he says, hey, Saul, I can take care of this for you. You're like, you know, I appreciate that and all, David, but you know, you're just a, you're just a young guy. You know, you're only 17 years old. No, no, I, I can do it. I can see him. You remember Scooby-Doo? You remember the little dog Scrappy-Doo that always wanted to fight? That, you know, he's like, put him up, you know, and he's always wanting to fight all the giants. And David's like, I can take care of this guy. I'm not worried. And now we'd all have been terrified, but David's not because he trusts in God. Now, now we're going to pick up in verse 33. It says this, Saul replied, you are not able to go out against the Philistine and fight him. You're only a boy. And he's been fighting man from his youth. In other words, you hadn't been a fighter ever since this guy was born. He's been a fighter. You know, I've wrestled with some of the youth in our youth group. And some of them are wrestlers and they beat me every time because they can put you in all kinds of moves like your legs behind your head and you're like, you know, mercy because they've been doing it for a long time. And so he's saying, you know, this guy's been a fighter his whole life. He's like, you, you, you can't compete against him. And I can see, let's just stack them up for a second because that's what they do in, in wrestling and boxing and, and that sort of thing. UFC, if you watch that, you got, you got Goliath here and then you got David. And so we, we go down the stats and we look at them and it's like, in the blue corner, standing at nine foot six, 420 pounds, wearing nothing but bronze, a 15 pound javelin head and a shield bearer, give it up for Goliath. And everybody's like, ah. Oh. And then he looks, it's like looking over and it's like, in the red corner, 17 years old, standing at five foot tall, wearing sandals and a little skirt and a fanny pack full of rocks. Give it up for David, you know? May the Lord be with you, son. And so we stack it up and it just doesn't make sense. How can a guy who is this young beat something that's this tall? I think we need to look at that in our own lives. And here's the reason why, because God uses ordinary people like you and me to do extraordinary things because if he used another giant to beat Goliath, I mean, what, what good would that do? Oh yeah, it was a good fight, you know, it was a close battle. But when you see something take place and transpire the way that David did it, there's only one answer and God did it. How can a guy do it? Only God can do it. And then, and then, like it says in Matthew, they will see what you've done and praise the Father in heaven because David knew this and he knew that God backed him. And so we look on in verse 34, and it says, but David says to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. 
When a lion or a bear came and carried off the sheep from the flock, he's like, I went after it. I struck it and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair and struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed both lion and bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. In other words, I'm gonna lay this guy to rest. The Lord who delivered me from the paw and the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. And I believe Saul begins to think about this and go, you know what, I've never beat a lion. I ain't never wrestled a bear. Nobody else is standing up, so you know what? All right, David, go and may the Lord be with you. You know, and he's probably a little bit afraid going, oh no, you know, just see, him, see myself going into slavery. And so then here's the next part, and this is where we're going to kind of focus this morning. In verse 38, Saul goes to David, and he gives him his tunic, tunic which is like his, his robe and his garment. And he puts a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. And I can just see David with this long tunic on that's not his, standing there like... And then they go and they put the sword around. They take this, this bronze helmet and put on and, and maybe it was too big and David put it on his head. He's like, man, this thing's heavy. And he's standing there looking like this thing's at the ground, like a dress. And he's like, and this, I'm just not comfortable with this. This isn't me. I remember as a kid, we did boxing on Thanksgiving at my grandma's house and we used football helmets. We had a Cowboys helmet and a Redskins helmet. And the Cowboys helmet didn't have the padding on the inside, but the Redskins did. So if you had the Redskins helmet, you could fight because you could see. But if the Cowboys helmet, you got that one, it would fall down over your eyes. And then they, people would just beat the life out of you because you couldn't see. And so in third grade, I got beat up by a girl because of the Cowboys helmet, which I'm still a little bit upset of, but God's helping me kind of come through that. And so anyway, we see David, he's got this bronze helmet on and maybe it's too big. And he's like, this isn't who I am. This isn't, you know, I'm a shepherd boy. I'm not a soldier, I'm not a warrior, I'm not a fighter, I'm just gonna do what God's given me with the gifts he's given me, the abilities he's given me, I'm gonna go out and do it. And he, so he just says, you know what, this ain't comfortable, just take this thing off. And I can see David going, you know what, in modern day, just get this Snuggie off, man. You know? Some of y'all have Snuggies, things are dangerous. You put a Snuggie on and sit at your chair, you get up, it'll take the whole coffee table off and everything else with it. And so he's like, this isn't who I am. And so he just strips all this stuff off. And he says, I'm just going to be what God called me to be. Because our temptation in life so many times is to put on other people's armor. To do the things the way that other people do it. You know, they're going, no, 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 David, this is best for you. you. You need to listen. We're fighters. You need to. And he's going, no, 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 this is not who God made me into be. That's not who I am. So just take this stuff off. And we want to try to follow after people and, and follow in their footsteps because the, the temptation to wear other people's armor and do it the way other people do it is just so great instead of being who God made us in to be. I mean, how many people have you seen in your life, in your families, that have just thrown it all away? They have ruined their families and lost their jobs and, and, and ruined their careers and all just because they wanted to be like somebody else and have the things that other people had. And then in verse 40, it says, then he took off took his staff in his hand and he chose five smooth stones from the stream and put them in a pouch of his shepherd's bag and with his sling in his hand he approached the Philistine. Now here's what we can't miss. During this whole time Goliath is walking towards the battle line. So let's put it in our perspective. We have the enemy is constantly pursuing us no matter what we do. We can either ignore it or we can accept it but either way the enemy is coming after us and attacking us. It's like riding a roller coaster. You can get out your cell phone and you can text while you're going up to the top. You can talk to your neighbor. You can wave your hands. But ultimately, 
You're gonna make the drop, whether you like it or not. And so Goliath is after him and he's walking towards him this whole time. His shield bearer in front and he kept coming closer. He looked at David and saw that he was only a boy. I mean, just this youth guy, ruddy and handsome, and he despised him. He said, what am I, a dog that you come at me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said, and I'll give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. And David said this, and man, this is just like the powerful, epic statement that he makes to Goliath. He says, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you defied. And that's what we need to say in our lives as we're attacked by the enemy. You know what? You can throw all these things. You can throw the fiery darts. You can come at me with the javelin. You can come at anything you want to with me, but I come against you in the name of the Lord. And quit trying to handle it the way that we think is best and handle it the way that God sees it. And his motives are pure because it's not about him. It's not about getting the money. It's not about getting Saul's daughter. It's about justice and about God being prevailed in this and so he says, this day the Lord will hand you over to me and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. Today I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds of the air and the beasts of the earth and the whole world will know that there is a God that still reigns and is in Israel. I mean, if there's ever been a more descriptive verse, there it is right there. I'm talking about cutting off heads, feeding their stuff to the birds. I mean, the Bible is detailed here. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear, but that the Lord saves for the battle is the Lord's and he will give all of you into our hands. And that's what we need to understand. You know what, this battle, this battle that we're fighting, it's not ours, it's not yours, it's God's. And when we understand that, and we have that perspective, you know what, the things that I'm dealing with and, and lust and temptation and I'm going through a divorce and I'm going through a separation, all that stuff, you know what we say, you know what, God, I give it over to you because without you, I'm nothing. I'm just an ordinary guy that does ordinary things, but you're the one that turns them and makes them extraordinary. And so he has this, this anger that's this righteous about, he wants justice. It wasn't about him. It wasn't about him being seen. It was about God coming through. Now, I've never read this verse in the way that I read it when I was preparing for this, but I, I think it has such implication. It says in verse 48, as the Philistine moved closer to attack him, that glass coming and the enemy's coming, as he come to attack him, it says David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him. Now, think about this. You see this giant coming. When you see these guys fighting on TV and, and, and wrestling and all, they don't just run out most of the time. They sit there, you know, and kind of size the guy up. They move around the ring a little bit and just kind of, you know, throwing punches because they don't want to get knocked out. They don't want to get taken right off the bat. They're trying to see what these guys are going to do. And so Goliath is coming and he's confident. He's pursuing. And David sees him and he's going, you know what? God's behind me. God's backing me. He's all up in this thing. And he runs with everything he has. He sprints towards the battle line because he trusts in God so much that he's going to come through. And so many times in our lives we retreat and we sit back and we have pity parties and we can't understand why we're still in the same place that we were a year ago. And we lose faith and we run away and we scream and we're like, the enemy's been attacking me. And we whine and there's, there's giants. I've got these giants in my life that I can't overcome. I've been dealing with them forever. And God's going, you know what? The battle's not yours, it's mine. Let me fight it, give it over to me. So maybe we need to throw off the armor and the tunic 
And we need to be who God has called us to be. And quit trying to handle it the way Oprah says, quit trying to handle it the way Dr. Phil says or Cosmo says, and, and figure out the way that God says to handle it. And then verse 49, it says, reaching into his bag and taking out a stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. And the stone sank into his forehead and he fell face down on the ground. And so David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. Without a sword in his hand, he struck down the Philistine and killed him. He didn't do it the way everybody else said that he had to do it. Because that's not who he was. And God's saying, you need to be who I've called you to be. When we face giants in our lives, our tendency is this. It's, it's too big. When we face enemy, it's just too big. I, I can't do it. It's too big to hit. But when we have God's perspective, he looks at it and goes, no, 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 he's not too big to hit. He's too big to miss when I've, you've got me on your side. And onlookers, they see a giant, but David sees a mortal man who's defying God. And he knew that he wasn't fighting alone. And that's how we lose the battles in our life. We try to fight it by ourselves when we're not big enough or strong enough, no matter what we think, we need God. I mean, ask yourself this question, has God not solved bigger problems than the one I'm facing right now? Absolutely he has. And he'll do it for you time and time again if you call on him and trust him. As we read these last verses, it says in 51, David ran and stood over him. He took hold of the Philistine's sword and he drew it from the scabbard and after he killed him, he cut off his head with the sword. And when the Philistines saw what happened, they saw that their hero is dead, the big and powerful one, they turned and ran. And God turned it all around. It's like that song that, that used to be popular. It talked about God's gonna turn it around. He's gonna work in your favor. And God comes through and, and, and switches it around. And now the enemy is running away because God came in and defeated them. And they, we read that they surged forth and then they ended up wiping out this army. And the question is this, what are we doing with what God has given us? You go, I don't, I don't have a whole lot. I just have a little bit. I don't have a whole lot of talents. I can't sing. I can't. What, what are you doing with what God has given you? Whether you just have a rod like Moses, with that rod you can part the Red Sea. You can lead the children towards the promised land. You can bring water forth from a rock. You can throw it down and prove that there's God that it turns into a snake. Or, or you could be like the little boy with just, all I have is five loaves and, and, and fish. I mean, I, I, really. And God's going, you do with what I've given you. He says, because when you're faithful in a little, you'll be ruler over much. God doesn't ask for much at all. He just asks for all of us. And so we want to know the purpose for our life. Like, God, what am I supposed to do? Why am I here? What do you, what do you, what's your plan for my life? And we have to ask ourselves this question. What are we doing that God is blessing? That video that we saw, God's all up in that and God's blessing. He's blessed our church. He's blessed our students. He's blessed me because we're blessing others. And that's what he's called us to be. The purpose of this church is to reach out no matter how young or old you are to be the church. It doesn't matter how small you are, how young you are. 
what grade you finished in school, how bad your grades were in college, or what job you occupy. You run passionately with everything you can. You sprint towards the battle line and know that God is behind you 100% and you trust and have faith in him. Because here's what, it only took five stones. But when we really think about it, how many did it take? It only took one. God says, here's five. Maybe David had had those for security. And if I miss, I'm gonna keep throwing because I know God's all up in this. And God comes through and he has four stones left over. And Pastor Farrell said after service, he said it's probably because he had four brothers. But God gives us what we need for our times. Your inadequacies are huge when they're given over to God. Look at Moses, he says, I can't even speak, I stutter. He says, I don't care, I'm gonna use it. I'm gonna use your gifts and your talents. So don't put on someone else's armor. You seek God with everything you have and you trust in him. You give him all that you have and he's gonna give you victory in your life over the giants that you face and over the enemies. Because God is all about writing stories, writing extraordinary stories with ordinary people because that's when he gets the glory. Don't wait till it's too late in your life to step out and to stand up for God and have faith and and do something for his kingdom and trust in him that you know what? He is here no matter where you're at in your life and your family's at right now. The enemy maybe have been attacking you for, for weeks and months or years. I don't know what your story is, but God's going, you run towards the battle line and you trust in me and you keep running and I'm gonna give you all you need and you be who I've called you to be and I'll take care of the rest. I wanna close with this quote. It's by Francis Chan and it says this. It says, God doesn't call us to be comfortable. Because that's so many times in our life, it's just uncomfortable. You know, God, that's uncomfortable. And we say that David wasn't comfortable. He stepped out and it says this quote, God doesn't call us to be comfortable. He calls us to trust in him so completely that we're unafraid to put ourselves in situations where we'll be in trouble if he doesn't come through. In other words, God doesn't call us to be comfortable, but he wants us to put ourselves in situation that we'll have to trust him so completely that if he doesn't come through, we're gonna be in trouble. So we have to step out and stand up and say, God, I give you my family, I give you my brother, I give you my, my son, I give you my daughter, I give you my marriage, I give you my finances, I give it all, and I'm gonna, God, I'm gonna do everything that I can with what you've given me so that I can bring people to your kingdom. Let's pray. What I know in my life, and as I was just preparing this time, God, you, you spoke to me, and, and I believe that you're speaking to many people here this morning. You give us everything that we need. But so many times we're greedy and we want more and we want more. And we're not even using what you've given us. And so God, I pray that that selfish motives and and pride and all the things that, the feelings that come in, where you just strip all that away and let the person who just feels like that they're nothing, feels like that they're nobody this morning, know that because of you, they can be victorious and that they can do extraordinary things because we're just ordinary people, God. And without you, God, we can't do anything And so I pray that you would give us courage and boldness 
when we're attacked, God, to run towards the battle line and trust in you and know that you're gonna come through for us because you love us and you care for us. No matter what giants we're facing, God, let us be remembered that we'll stand before you and go, yeah, you're in my hall of fame because you knew my son, Jesus. Enter into eternity with me. And so I just wanna ask you this morning, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you were, were just honest with yourself, how many of you would say, I'm, I'm using all that God's given me for his kingdom? I think probably most of us would, would say no. But I wanna ask you this question. Do you know God's son, Jesus, as your personal Lord and Savior? Have you ever asked him into your heart? Do you know for a fact that you would spend eternity with him if you were to leave this earth? You can know him today. And so I wanna give you that opportunity before we leave. If maybe you've been running from God or you've never asked Jesus to live in your heart. You've just been playing church games. I wanna ask you to mean this, to pray this prayer from the bottom of, the bottom of your heart. And God will come in and he'll change your life. And you can know that when you leave this place, if, if God were to come, that you would spend eternity with him. Just repeat this prayer right there by yourself. Say, Heavenly Father, I'm a sinner and I've been running. But today, God, I make a commitment to you. I ask you to come into my heart to be my Lord and Savior. I give you everything that I am and all that I have. Let me be used for your kingdom Wash me and cleanse me, Lord. Make me as white as snow. I want to live with you in heaven for eternity, God. And help me when I leave this place to live a life that's pleasing for you. And with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you prayed that prayer, this is huge, and you meant it and you said, I got my life right with God and I know where I'll spend eternity, would you put your hand up and put it right back down? I see that hand, I see that hand, six, seven. Counting nine people that raised their hand. Let's just give God praise this morning. Amen, amen. God is great, just give him all that you have. That's what it's all about and he'll take care of the rest, amen. We love you guys. Thank you so much for coming. Please, guests, pick up your gift bag at the Guest Welcome Center. And I also want to let you know your, your tickets for the concert that the youth is putting on can be purchased right at the Connect Center. We love you guys. Happy Father's Day. Don't forget your gifts. Have a great day.